Well, we are kicking off a new series uh, this morning, and it's called Asking for a Friend. And you've probably heard of that, that phrase uh, throughout social media, and the whole point behind uh, why you would ever say asking for a friend is because you don't want anybody to know that it's you. So you, you cover it up with, well, it's not me, it's, it's this friend I have. They, they've got a problem. They've got an issue. They've got a struggle they're dealing with. And so what we're hoping to do over the next several weeks is to just call some of those things out. Hey, let's be honest. Let's be real. We do struggle with these things. We're going to go through several of them in the next several weeks. But to say, yeah, everybody struggles. We, we are not perfect. I stand before you on stage not perfect whatsoever. I'll even give you an example. I'll tell you, I'll tell you a wrong thing that I have done. I'm not going to give you some of the really, really wrong things because we're recording this, but I'll give, you a, I'll give you a wrong thing that I've done. So um, like many couples, my wife and I, uh, we watch Netflix together. Now, we are not Netflix addicts yet. We're, we're like right on the line of it, but that's what we enjoy doing. We'll, we'll get our three kids to bed, and then you know how it is. It's just Let's just watch something and, and do something brainless. So we, we'll turn on Netflix, and it's always a big deal when we decide what's our next show. We finish, you know, however many seasons of whatever, and now we're like, okay, what's next? And when we decide on a show, we make a covenant together. I mean, and this, this is like a promise that's right up there with our wedding vows when we said, when we said I do. But we, we commit to one another. When we start this show, we are going to start it together, and we are going to finish it together, and we are not going to skip ahead without each other. It's a big deal for us. We make that a big, big point. We will only watch this show together when we are together. So I made that commitment, right? And I'm loving the show that we were watching at the time. And so much, in fact, that she went off, and it was her choice to go and spend some time with some girlfriends. And so I'm at home. I put the kids to bed, and I'm at home. What is one to do when his kids are in bed and his wife is out with her friends? And I'm all by myself. I said, oh, man, Netflix. I could, walk, I, could, I could get a few ahead. She would never know. She probably wouldn't know, but I'm rationalizing. She would probably never know, or maybe I would watch just one, and then like I would catch up with her. Not a big deal. I probably watched half the season without her, and, and she gets home, and of course, like, you, know, you can't hide that when it's up on the screen, and it says you know episode 53, and we started at like three. And so I was like, yeah. I, I watched it without you. And she, understandably, it's like, we vowed this. We made a covenant and a promise. You cheated on me with Netflix. How could you? And in that moment, you got to know that, that as I'm thinking back, you know, I'm, I'm trying to think through my actions here and try to find an ounce of me that was apologetic for it. I'm looking back, and I'm like, you know, there was that moment where I had to choose. I knew what was wrong, and I knew what was right. And I frankly, in the moment, I'll be, I'll be totally upfront. In the moment, I said, don't really care. I really want to watch this show right now. <laughs> and so when Becky called me out on I said, yeah, you're right. That's exactly what I did. I mean, there, I'm not going to try to just cover it up. There's no excuses for it. I did exactly what I wanted to do because I wanted to do it regardless of how anybody else felt about it. And, and it wasn't just a couple days ago. That happened a little while ago. A couple days ago, I put two and two together on something. I'm at the dinner table with my family, and we make a big deal about, hey, we're going to sit together at the dinner table. And I've really been working on this with our toddler, our two-year-old, Cole, and to the point where if he puts his foot off the chair and onto the floor without asking to be excused, he gets in trouble. And we've been pretty firm on that. We're really trying to ingrain this. And the other day, he started, you can tell that two-year-old starting to shift off the seat. And I said, Cole, think about what you're doing. Make a good choice, Cole. Choose right. 
Because if you disobey, you're going to get in trouble. And Cole, I kid you not, can barely speak in sentences. Looked at me straight in the eyes. <laughs> Didn't crack a smile. I mean, he just said, what are you going to do about that? And of course, I'm all upset. But I had this moment of, I did that with Becky and Netflix. And I'm like, here I am upset at him for being in the terrible twos. And I'm like, I still have terrible twos in me. And we all do. We never totally get out of these terrible twos because we know what's right. We know what's wrong. We know what we should do. And guess what we usually do? Now I'm just going to do what I want to do anyway. We all do that. We all struggle with struggles. Now, when I say struggles, and for the rest of this morning, you could hear struggles in two different ways. You could hear struggle through the, the ear of, well, those are the problems in life, the things that are out of my control, the hardships of life, the tragedies of life. That's, that's one uh, category of struggle. I'm not talking about those struggles that are out of your control. When I say struggle this morning, as we look at it in scripture, these are the struggles that are our fault. The struggles that are rooted in our sinful nature. It's the struggles that, that we're dealing with. And, and it is a difficult struggle because I know it's right. I know I should do this, but there's the struggle. There's the inner battle, but I'm choosing to do what's wrong. You know it's wrong and we still choose to do wrong. That's the struggles we're going to look at this morning. And we don't like airing out our wrongdoings. We don't like admitting, man, yeah, there's, there's times I choose what's wrong, willingly and knowingly choose what's wrong, but let's be real. Instead of asking for a friend, let's say, man, I'm, I'm dealing with some struggles in life. I know what's right, but at the end of the day, I'm choosing what's wrong. What do I do with that? So if you have your Bibles, head over to Romans chapter seven. Romans chapter seven, I'll put them on the screens if you don't have a Bible or if it's just too dark in a theater for you, we'll put them up on the screen for you. Romans chapter seven, you're gonna hear Paul deal with this, that question. Struggles and how I deal with it and what am I supposed to do with it and what does it mean for me, especially as a believer. Romans 7 verse 15, here's how Paul starts. And he's going to ramble a lot. So just stay with me as we root through it. You're going to hear him rambling through his struggles. Verse 15, I don't really understand myself. I think we could all agree with that at times. I don't really understand myself for I want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. But if I know that what I'm doing is, is wrong, this shows that I agree that the law is good. So I'm not the one doing wrong. It's the sin that's living in me that does it. And I know that nothing good lives in me. That is my sinful nature. I want to do what is right, but I can't. I want to do what is good, but I don't. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. But if I do what I don't want to do, I'm not really the one doing it, doing wrong. It's the sin that's living in me that does it. Are you hearing this like angel and demon moment for Paul? He's writing to the local church, which side note, Paul uses a scribe. Right, And you can read, if you go to chapter 16, he actually names his scribe. Could you imagine being the scribe as he's just venting for this? Okay, write this down for a second. And, and I, I want to do what's right, but I don't do it. And I know what's right, but I never do it. And, and, and what's wrong is actually in me. And this poor scribe is like, I need to scratch that out. And are you sure you're making sense? He's just, he, he's all worked up. He knows what's right, but he doesn't do it. He knows it's wrong, but he does it anyway. He sums it up. He gets his thoughts together a little bit. Verse 21. I have discovered the principle of life, this principle of life, that, what, that when I want to do what is right, I inevitably do what is wrong. Let that sink in. That when I want to do what is right, I actually, I inevitably do what is wrong. Verse 22, he says, I love God's law with all my heart, but there is another power within me that is at war with my mind. And you hear that war as he's talking. 
This power makes me a slave to the sin that is still within me. Oh, what a miserable person I am. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? That's the struggle. And let's be honest. We all struggle. We all have struggles. They, sure, are different struggles. Paul, Paul doesn't name his struggles here, but if we were to truly be honest, we're not asking for a friend. We're saying, yeah, I struggle. I have struggles. You have struggles. We have struggles in our life. And they are very, very real. And they are very, very difficult. So if we can agree on that and let's just own it. Yes, I have struggles. I have sin in my life and I'm not sure how to handle that. I'm not sure what to do with it. Paul, it seems, he's going to show us later he does, but it seems he's not sure what to do with it. Oh, what a miserable person I am. What am I going to do with this? Who's going to rescue me from this? And it's this constant battle within, this internal battle of right and wrong, knowing right, but then choosing wrong. So here's what I'm going to offer for you all this morning as we go through the rest of this passage. I have three chairs up here that are going to represent some really difficult questions for us to ask of ourselves, not for the friend. Asking for a friend deflects and it kind of conceals our issues and our struggles. Instead, I want to put each and every one of us in the hot seat. In the hot seat means that the spotlight's right on you, that there's some, some guilt in there that we probably need to talk through and work through, but we're going to sit in these hot seats and ask some difficult questions that only you can answer about yourself, that I can sit in and that only I can answer about myself. Because at the end of this, we need to figure out what to do with these struggles. Just saying, I know what's right and I choose wrong is not very helpful. That's just stating the obvious. So what is scripture going to teach us? What questions can we ask if we are truly honest? How are we going to begin to work through some of these struggles? The first question I would encourage you to begin to ask is, uh, are you aware of your sin? If you sit in this hot seat, you need to ask that question, answer the question, how aware of my sin am I? Am I aware of all the sin in my life? Now, understand there is a connection between our struggles and sin. And again, I'm not talking about the disasters of life that are out of our control. I'm talking about the root of sin, that sinful nature that, that Paul talks about here, the sinful nature that that's where our struggles come out of. It's a battle between the godly side of us and the sinful nature side of us. And Paul even alludes to that. He even states, he said, there's another power within me. I have an enemy inside of me. It's my sinful nature. It's the, it's the sinful nature that does it. It's not, it's not me because I want to do right. It's the sinful nature that's in me that compels me to do it. So understand that your sin, my sin, is at the root of our struggles. So the question is, are you aware of that? Do you know the sin in your life? Do you know what, what the root is of these struggles? Because what we're really good is, is being oblivious to a lot of our sin. We might know we struggle, but we're not willing or we're not convinced or we're just not paying attention to the sin behind it. That's why God's word is so important in our lives. That's why knowing and reading God's word is so important in our lives. Paul even mentions, he says, I know the law, I know God's law, and I know that it is good, right? He says that. And that is, that's helping him know what then is wrong. Let me say it like this. If, if you're speeding, you get pulled over for speeding, right? Officer's going to come up to your window. Did you know you were speeding? You should always answer, well, of course, right? That's the right answer, isn't it? <laughs> well, here's, here's how you know if you know or not, right? There's two ways that you would know if you were speeding. You have to have both of these. You have to have seen a speed limit sign. If you see a speed limit sign posted, it says 25 miles an hour, you know that's the speed limit. 
but you still don't know if you have actually been speeding or not until you look at your speedometer and it says 85. Now you know you're speeding. When you see the speed limit and you look at how fast you're going on the speedometer, that tells you, yes, I was speeding or no, I was not speeding. If you don't see a speed limit sign, but you look at your speedometer, you just know how fast you're going. You don't know if you're breaking the law or not. If you just see a speed limit sign, but you never look down at your dashboard, you know what it is, but you have no clue on how fast you're going. You have to have both. That's what God's word does for us. God's commands, his word gives us the limits. It gives us the commands. It gives us the law, Old Testament and New Testament. And so we have to sit in this seat How aware am I of my sin? Hold up God's word, look in myself, and hold them up together. Wow, I am doing a lot wrong. (laughs) You can't just have one or the other. You have to have both. God's word shows us how sinful we really are. Paul actually mentions this uh, later on in his letter, earlier on in his letter to the Romans. Romans 5.20, he says this. God's law was given so that all people could see how sinful they were. Man, now that is a memory verse you want to put in your kid's room, right in front of your, your kitchen area, right? If you didn't feel encouraged, now you do. That we have the Bible so that we can see how sinful we really are. But that's helpful. Because if we don't have it, we don't know. Because look at the next part of what he says here. God's law, God's word was given so that all people could see how sinful they really were. But as people sinned more and more, look at this, God's wonderful grace became more, and what's that word? More what? more abundant. As our awareness of sin increases, God's wonderful grace increases even more. The more we become aware of our sin, the more we become aware of how desperate we are for Jesus, the need we have for Jesus. When we sit in this hot seat and ask a very difficult question, how aware am I of my sin? How aware am I of the sin that's causing the struggles that I have? Now, when we hold up God's word in our life and we answer it honestly, now we start to see, okay, I see why I need Jesus. I see why I need grace, because I am very sinful. What tends to happen, though, is we don't like sitting in the seat. This is a very uncomfortable question to begin to ask and even answer. So what we do is we kind of go on autopilot. You probably, hopefully, if you're paying attention, you saw me peeling an orange while I was talking through this. And I'm proud to say that as a, as a communicator and as a pastor and as a human being, I can talk while peeling an orange. I'm very proud of that fact. And uh, you should try it. If you've not tried this, you should see if you can have a conversation while peeling an orange. Most of you, I'm sure, can. Might be a few of you. But most of you are going to be able to multitask while peeling an orange. Why? Because you've peeled an orange before. Because it's not the first time you've peeled an orange. You didn't have to really think about peeling an orange. It was natural to you. It was second nature to you. Guess what? So is our sin. Our sin, if not checked, if not be, if not, um, if we're not aware of it, it becomes as natural as peeling an orange where we're talking to our spouse and we sin and we don't realize it. We're disciplined or we're interacting with our kids and we cross the line and we don't realize it. We're sitting in our cubicle at work and, and the thoughts that we have and how we begin to act towards our boss and our employees or our employers, all of a sudden we've crossed the line. If we don't ask the question, what sins am I committing, and hold up God's word and then look at ourselves, we will continue to sin without recognizing it. It'll be just as natural as peeling an orange and you go on without your day, and we think, well, I didn't like kill anybody today, so I'm apparently a pretty good person. Sin is sin. Sin is sin. There's no petty sins. There's petty sins in our eyes, but to God, all sin is, what's the wages of sin? Do you remember that scripture? The wages of sin is death, all of it. 
not just these few. No. He says, be aware of the sin. So I have a homework assignment for you. You're not going to like this one. Uh, but I would never ask you to do something that I have not done myself. And I have done this before. And, and yes, I've done this recently. And it's not enjoyable, but it's helpful. The challenge I have for you as you sit in this hot seat is this week, do this in private. This is not something you want to post on Instagram or Facebook. Don't do this live by any means. I want you to literally write down, you can burn the paper afterwards, write down every sin you commit over the week. Some of you are like, well, can we just start on today and we'll go from there? If you need to just start with today, that's fine. But look back on the last week, Sunday to Sunday, Monday to Monday. See if you can, you can go back and remember every time you sinned in the last week. I think you'll find it's more difficult than you might believe because we're really good at deflecting. Why well, didn't do these sins? Oh, but man, how I spoke, my attitude, my motivation, oh, those were wrong. If we hold up God's word and then we truly look at ourselves, we will see how sinful we truly are. So if you take me up on that, and I hope you would at least try it, see if you can account for all the sins that you did over the last week. Now, from that, you have two choices on what you do with that. That feeling that begins to come out of you of recognizing the greatness of your sin, do you feel guilty or do you run, run towards Jesus because you need, need his grace? And what we see through scripture is that's, that pushes us to run towards his grace. The more, the more we are aware of our sin, the, great, the more greatly we are aware of our need for Jesus and aware of his grace. So that goes to the second hot seat question here. If I sit in this question, we've answered, okay, how aware am I of my sin? And oh man, I see that I am very sinful. A lot of sins I didn't even know were sins. I'm starting to be I'm more aware of in my life. Question I would ask you in this seat is what are you focused on? Once I recognize the greatness of my sin, now I'm asking, well, what am I focused on? Because of the greatness of my sin, do I just strive to be good and to do better? I'm going to do it better this time, and I'm not going to mess up as much next time. I'm going to focus on being good and doing things right, or am I going to focus on living in God's grace? Am I focusing on doing good, being better, or on his grace? Understand Jesus came for the sick, Scripture says. It says doctors go to the sick, not the healthy. It's the sick people that need a doctor. It's the people that do wrong. It's the sinful that need a Savior. We need Jesus. And so when we recognize how sinful we are, it's not about doing good and being better. It's running to Jesus because he's the one that, that gives us the grace, gives us the grace. If you're a believer in Jesus, you have Jesus in your heart, hear this. The life of a Christian is not to be good and to do better. Let me take that weight off of you. The life of a Christian is not to be good and to do better, but to live in his grace. That's it. Now, does that mean we shouldn't do the right thing? No, of course, we should try, but that's not the focus. That's not the priority. We focus on his grace first. And out of that grace, of course, we want to become more like Jesus. We, when we ask Jesus to move into our life and the spirit moves in, begins a work in us, yes, we get this desire to become more like Jesus and to act more like him and to speak more like him and to think more like him as much as we possibly can. But the focus is on his grace in us, not just us trying to do better. If you just focus on trying to do good and trying to be better, let me tell you what the rest of your life is gonna feel like. It's gonna feel like disappointment, Anxiety is going to just engulf you. 
You're going to be worried all the time because what? Good is never good enough. Better is never enough. You're constantly living in this place of not matching up and, and not living up to the standards of the word because we can't do that perfectly. And so we get worried and we get anxious about, man, if I mess up again or what about this? And we start to feel guilty and not just feeling guilty, but we live in guilt. We get stuck in a rut of guilt. Now, on the other side of this, when we focus on his grace first, man, one of those first responses we have, one of those natural responses is gratitude. We're very grateful for the grace we've been given. When we recognize how great our sin is and that Jesus gave us the free gift of grace that we can't earn it, we can't deserve it, and we're still forgiven and we get grace, I am unbelievably thankful for that. And more so, then I start being gracious to other people. Gratitude and being gracious to others are those natural responses when we focus on his grace given to us. When somebody offends me, when somebody does something wrong to me or against me, I'm much, I'm much it's, it's easier, it's not easy, it's easier to be gracious towards them because once again, I recognize my sin and Jesus gave me grace. And so now I'm focusing on grace. And out of that comes good. Out of that comes my desire to, of course, do good and to be good. But that's not my focus. My life is not built on just trying to do a little bit better. My life is, is living in the grace that he has given me. Because I recognize how great my sin is, it has driven me to just run into his arms to receive his grace. So that would be the question. How aware of you are of your sin? But also, what are you focused on? Is it just trying to do better each time and when you don't match up, man, you're guilty and you're disappointed? Or do you live in his grace and you are grateful and you're also able to be more gracious to those around you. The last one here is kind of a disclaimer of the second question is, uh, does that mean we just can do whatever we want? Well, if I'm aware of my sin and I live in grace, well, let's just sin a little bit more. <laughs> Who cares? There's grace, right? Paul actually, he, he speaks of this. He even says, well, should we then keep on sinning? Because if sin, if sin increases, well, then God's grace increases more abundantly, more and more. Well, should we then keep on sinning? And he says, by no means. Of course we need to try our best. Of course we need to, to show that grace is in us and so we live like Jesus the best that we can. But again, that's not the focus. So the question I would begin to ask you here is, well, what is your part? What is your part? Here's your part. If you were to walk into my backyard, you would see some, some yard, some grass area, then it goes up on a hill and on that fence line, uh, we've got just some trees. It's you know, like the pine straw area, trees, some plants, some flowers occasionally. And... Uh, and it takes a lot of work to make that happen back there, right? We have to water it. We've got to prune it. We've got to plant things. We've got to make sure that if it's going to stay green, we have to do some work to make sure it stays green. Now, if I were to just sit back on my patio, drink lemonade and sweet tea, and just watch that area, what would automatically grow? Without me having to do a thing, what would automatically grow back there? Weeds. Weeds, absolutely. I don't have to do a thing and they grow. I have to work super hard and I sort of am able to get things to turn green. No, the same thing happens in our spiritual lives. If we're just to sit back, oh, God's grace covers everything, guess what's going to creep into our lives? Weeds. And those weeds are going to choke the life out of you. And you're not going to be able to have the freedom that we have because of his grace. That's where that guilt starts to choke you out. So yes, we do have a part to play here. 
It's to, to keep an eye on our lives. And when we start to see weeds come in, when we start to see those struggles and those sins, we do what we can to get rid of them. But no, we can't do it all the time. Of course not. But again, it's the motivation. It's the intention. It's the heart behind it. It's the thought behind it. Are we just allowing weeds to consume us? Or are we going to put the work in to do whatever we can? Paul gives us what that weeding process looks like specifically. Uh, we have Romans chapter 8, chapter over from where we've been looking. Verse 5, he says this. Those who are dominated by the sinful nature, look at this word here, think about sinful things. But those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit, here it is again, think about things that pleases the Spirit. So letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death. But letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. So according to Paul, when we sit in this seat, I'm aware of my sin and how great it is. I'm aware of my need for Jesus and his grace. And I focus on grace. It's not just about being good, but I live in the freedom of grace and not, not the guilt of my sin because I have grace and I live in grace. But now, what do you think about? That's the question you have to ask here. What do you think about? Nobody else can read your thoughts. Nobody else knows your mind. When you're sitting in front of your family, when you're sitting at work, when you're by yourself, when you're on the road, when you're in your community, you name it, sitting in church, no one knows your thoughts except God. The question is, what do you do with those thoughts? We will always have struggles. Those will not go away. But anytime a weed begins to show up in our mind, what do you do with that weed? Do you just sit back and say, ah? Nothing I can do about it. There's going to be another one tomorrow. Or do you say, there's going to be another one tomorrow, but I'm going to take care of this one as much as I can today. You will never completely get rid of them. But are you willing to put in the work to do, to do what you can? When you ask these three questions, honestly, you'll start to get a good picture of, of what a life following Jesus looks like. Aware of our sin and how needy we are for him, how desperate we are for him. We live in grace. We're saved by, by our faith through grace because of Jesus. So now the question is, what do I do with it? I try my very best to just watch my thoughts and pay attention to my thoughts. And when you need to weed, weed, because it's between you and him. Now, we won't do this very well. This was almost a wasted sermon because I, if you go back to Romans 7, which we all deal with, well, I know what I should do and I know what's right, but I'm gonna do what's wrong. So I know I'm supposed to be aware of my sin. I know I'm supposed to live in grace. And I know I need to be aware of my thoughts. But there's going to be plenty of times where we just don't care and we don't do that, right? It all comes back to what Paul ended with. What am I going to do? He says, I'm such a miserable man. Let's look at it again. The very end of chapter 7. He says, oh, what a miserable person I am who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death. I know what I should do and I don't do it. That's what he's talking about. Here's the answer, verse 25. Thank God. The answer is in Jesus Christ, our Lord. So you see how it is. In my mind, I really want to obey God's law, but because of my sinful nature, I am a slave to sin. Now, this is very cool. Uh, when Paul was writing this letter, he didn't have chapters and verses like we see in our Bibles today. That's for us to help find and navigate things. But for him, it was one seamless letter, a, a seamless thought to this early church. And so when we go from chapter 7 to chapter 8, those, there's not like a pause there. There's not a break there because I want you to see how this flows into the very next verse. He says, thank God the answer is in Jesus Christ, our Lord. So you see how it is. In my mind, I really want to obey God's law, but because of my sinful nature, I'm a slave to sin. Very next verse in chapter eight. 
So now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Jesus Christ. Did you hear that? So now, now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. And because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has what? What's this word say here? Freed, has freed you, not put you into more guilt, not has made you guilty, not condemned you, but has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. Oh, hold on to that. The more we become aware of our sin, we run to the grace of Jesus. We live in grace. We're not burdened anymore. We're, we don't have to feel guilty about being guilty anymore. Yes, we are all guilty as charged. We have sinned. We will continue to sin. But because of grace, we don't have to feel guilty about our guilt any longer. We live in freedom, not guilt. We live in life, not death anymore. And yes, we have a part to play. But there is now no more condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Relationship with Jesus means that, yes, you can have struggles in life. You will actually be living with struggles the rest of your life. We have a sinful nature. That doesn't go away until we get to be with him for eternity in heaven. But with Jesus, yes, we will have struggles, but we do not have to live with the guilt anymore. We can live with the struggles and not have to live with the guilt any longer. The past, the sins... We need to be very aware of them, but we live in his grace. So what I would hope you would walk away with this morning is that, first of all, we can all admit, yes, I struggle. We all struggle. And that you would recognize, yes, your struggles are very, very real, and they're very harmful. We get that. It's rooted in sin. It's our sinful nature. But also, there's no guilt greater than God's grace. That we don't have to live in this guilt-ridden life and stuck in this guilty rut forever. His grace pulls us out of that. We can live with our struggles, but we don't have to live with the guilt because of the grace that only comes through Jesus. Let me pray for us. Father God, thank you so much for what you did for us, what you did for me. You did what only you could do by sending your one and only son, Jesus, to die for me to take my sin away so I don't have to live in guilt any longer. But you conquered sin and you conquered death when through your power and through the power that only is in you raised him from the dead three days later. And so Jesus, thank you for what you went through for me and on my behalf. Thank you for what, what you then extend to me, that free gift of grace that I, can, I can't do anything to ever earn it and I can't do anything to ever deserve it, but you give it freely just because you love us. Thank you for the grace that you give us. I pray that we would sit in the hot seat and we would ask some tough questions, that we would become more aware of our sin. And may the awareness of our sin grow to the point where it just drives us to run into your arms and into your grace. We are desperate for you and your grace. We cannot, we cannot live another moment, another day, take another breath without your grace. But help us not to, to just allow the weeds to take over our lives. May we pay attention to our thoughts. May it begin there. And no, we won't do it perfectly, but may through your power and your spirit, may we become more aware of what you're doing in our life. Change us. Help us to trust you. In Jesus' name, amen.